Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to establishedinthefaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into the program now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. We hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. few minutes before we get into the study to give you once again the outline of the book of Revelation. I'm afraid many times people pull things out of context. They'll take something that is said in Revelation chapter 9 or chapter 12 or chapter 6 or any any one of those chapters and they'll see something on the news, and they'll say, ah, that's the fulfillment of Revelation chapter whatever and whatever. And there, there's timelines that we need to keep in mind. First of all, Revelation chapter 1 is just a basic introduction. Uh, chapters 2 and 3 is dealing with the churches or the church age. That is where we're at right now, the churches, the church age. Uh, The church has been in existence now, if the calendars are right, about 1980 years. That's how long the church has been in existence. And uh, we're waiting for Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, which is where we believe the rapture of the church takes place. And when the rapture takes place, we're going to be up in heaven. And only if your faith is in Christ and what he did on the cross. That is the only thing that is required for you to make it in the rapture. You don't have to be a member of Friendship Church. You don't have to be a member of the original Free Will Baptist denomination or the Pentecostal. You just got to make sure your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you do that by simply putting your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. And then when that rapture takes place, you're going to be in heaven. And you will experience the things that are talked about in chapters 4 and 5. That's just some events and things that's going on in heaven. Revelation chapter 6 through 19 happens after the rapture of the church. Those chapters tell us about the rise of the Antichrist, the great seven-year tribulation period, and the judgments that are poured out. Uh, which will conclude with the Battle of Armageddon. And during the Battle of Armageddon, uh, the Lord's going to come back at the second coming. 
We don't want to get the two events confused. They're two totally different things, rapture and second coming. At the rapture, Jesus is going to come in the air. He will not set his feet upon planet Earth. He will come somewhere around 6,000 feet, close enough to the air, and we which are the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain will be called up together to meet him in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then there'll be the tribulation period and all that will be going on, all the events of Revelation chapter 6 through 19. And uh, Jesus will come back at the battle of Armageddon. That's the second coming. And when Jesus comes back, not only is he going to finish the battle of Armageddon, but he's going to take that old devil and bind him up for a thousand years. That's Revelation chapter 20. And then Jesus is going to begin the millennium. He'll rule and reign for a thousand years. And at the end of that thousand-year reign, Revelation chapter 20, we have the great white throne judgment. And that will be uh, every person that has not accepted Christ as their Savior. They will stand before God, and the books will be open, and they will be judged according to the things that are written in the books. They will have their day in court. They'll be able to say, Lord, I was in church, but the Lord will be able to say, yeah, there was an altar call given and you didn't accept me as your savior. Well, Lord, I did this. Yeah, but you did it so that you could get a little more money in your pocket. Nobody will be able to say I'm in hell and God didn't give me a chance to explain myself. God is a just God, but the books will be open and whoever's name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. They will be taken over to the lake of fire, and they will be cast into the lake of fire. And after that, you have Revelation chapters 21 and 22. That is the perfect age which is to come. That is when God the Father will move his headquarters from planet heaven down to planet earth. That's New Jerusalem. It's a city that's 1,500 miles square. 1,500 miles high. When Jesus said, I go away to prepare a mansion for you, (laughs) you, we can't even begin to imagine a city that size. It's absolutely huge. And uh, we're going to see all of this one of these days. The reason I wanted to mention this again is because we need to have this timeline in our minds I know a few years ago when they had the big oil spill down in the Gulf, there were preachers saying, oh, this is the fulfillment of such and such a, uh, you know, seal being opened up where the water turned to blood. And you saw the cameras. It looked just like the water had turned to blood, but that was not the fulfillment because that is something that will take place during the tribulation period. And we're not in the tribulation period right now. So... We just need to keep everything in its proper context, and people get confused when you try to pull things and try to relate it to the day. I had planned on dealing with three verses of Scripture tonight, Revelation 1 and verse 9, 10 and 11, but in my studying today and seeking the Lord, 
this, some of this is a message that will be better preached than taught. So I'm going to leave some of this, Revelation chapter 9 and 10, we'll leave that for Sunday morning. I'm just going to deal with chapter 1, verse 11 tonight. And uh, I would give you all of that tonight, but then I'm going to turn right around and give it back to you Sunday morning. I don't want to wear you out. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Now this is a repeat of what was talked about last week. If you move up, look at verse 8. The exact same statement is made again. Now when something is said one time, it's important when it's said twice, there's something there the Lord really wants us to hone in on and to to think about. When the Lord said, I'm Alpha and Omega, he's the beginning and the ending. The Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. And Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And let me also point out that the writer here, John, began two of his books. Uh, John chapter 1, in the beginning, was the Word. You have beginning, word, author, finisher, alpha, and omega. All of these are terms as it pertains to writing something. An author writes... You use alphabets in your writing. In the beginning was the word. You use words in your writing. All of this is somewhat synonymous, if you will. Also in First uh, John chapter 1, he also begins with words like in the beginning and so forth and so on. But the Lord is trying to tell us something here in this. And John was 90 years old. And being here on this island, being forced to work hard labor in the hot sun all day, busting up rocks and moving them from here to there, I know what kind of effect that would have on me at 40 <coughs> years old. And uh, I, you, I can imagine how some of you would feel if you were being forced to bust up rocks and move them from here to there. And uh, that's what John is being forced to do. And he's in the midst of a trial. He's in the midst of tribulation. And in the midst of all of this, the Lord says, John, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the ending. There's nothing to worry about. But at any rate, he told John there in verse 11, he said, What thou seest, write in a book. And send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, the Lord chose 
seven churches there in Asia Minor. There were other churches there. These were not the only seven churches that were there. There were many other churches, but he chose these seven particular churches. Did these, were these churches the only churches that had problems in them? I don't think so. As I've said before, there's no such thing as a perfect church. Every church is going to have problems, situations, and things to, to be dealt with. But the Lord pulled out and dealt with these seven particular churches, called them out by name. And he called them out in a certain order. And I believe, as we look back in church history, and we look at what is said to each of these churches, you can see that when the Lord called out these seven particular churches, he was in essence laying out the history of the church. This is what will happen, and this is what I want to to deal with tonight. Now, the Lord dealt with these seven churches. They had issues that needed to be dealt with. But the Lord didn't only address it to those churches, but he addressed it to all churches for all of time. So let's just not limit it to any one particular thing. All right, he said there in verse 11, Send it unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. These are the seven churches that the Lord addressed and had something to say. And as we take each one of these and go down through our church history, here's the resemblance that I want to point out to you. The church at Ephesus represents the apostolic church. It ended with the death of John somewhere around A.D. 100. Apostolic church, the churches that the apostles established. Perhaps they, the original 12 disciples, the church that, churches that came into existence during that time period when the disciples were living. This period ended when John drawed his last. And that was somewhere around A.D. 100. All right, the church at Smyrna represents the martyr church. It lasted, and, the, and I'm rounding these numbers off, okay? These are not exact. This is just a round figure to kind of help you keep up with it. The martyr church lasted from A.D. 100 to A.D. 300. It was a period of 200 years that this period of time was going on. It was during this time that Rome hurled some ten bloody persecutions against the church. All right, moving on to the church at Pergamos. This church represents the state church, which lasted from A.D. 300 till about A.D. 500. This is when Constantine legalized Christianity and made it the state religion of the Roman Empire. Hordes of pagans came into the church during this time, unsaved. You had a church full of unsaved people. 
I see that going on in some churches and things today. So like I said, you can't really limit it to a certain particular time period, but you can look back in church history and see where there were things going on taking place, and these churches can represent certain segments of time. But that was the church at Pergamos. The church at Thyatira, it represents the Pauple Church, which started somewhere around A.D. 500. It continues right on up into today as the Catholic Church. The Bishop of Rome assumed supreme authority over the church and announced himself Pope. That's the Catholic Church. Started somewhere around A.D. 500, continues up to today. Sardis. The Sardis Church represents the Reformation Church, had its beginning somewhere around A.D. 1500. It continues under this hour as the Protestant Church, which is broken up into many different denominations. That's what we are. We fall into that category of being Protestants. All of this started by a man by the name of Martin Luther. He was a priest that studied the Scriptures. And he found scriptures like Ephesians 2 and Galatians chapter 3. Let me just read some of this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Galatians 3 and 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther came up against the Catholic Church early on. And that's what started the Reformation and what started the Protestant movement, which is what we are today. Moving on to the church at Philadelphia. Represents the missionary church. It had its beginning around 1800. It's the period of modern missions. And uh, it continues right on up. To this hour. And then we have the church at Laodicea. Represents the apostate church. Concerns itself with the day and age in which we now live. Now when it started we don't know. But I can honestly say that we are living in the Laodicean church Age. Jesus told that age, uh, you're not hot and you're not cold, you're lukewarm. When you have lukewarm, you have a mixture. And there are things that are said to the church at Laodicea when he opens up. He said, I am the beginning of the creation of God. It's a strange thing to me that we're living in an age where man is ever pushing the theory of evolution that we came from monkeys. And it's funny to me how our schools that train up our ministers in this denomination as well as other denominations have embraced the theory of evolution and they try to mix the gospel, the word of God in with the theory of evolution. You have this mixture of cold 
the world's theories and hot God's word, you have lukewarm. And what follows on the tail of that is humanistic psychology. And you can't mix the gospel of Jesus Christ and humanistic psychology. You, you either go one way or the other. Man, humanistic psychology says man does what he does because of his environment. The Bible says man does what he does because he's got sin in his heart. And his heart needs to be changed. And the only thing that can change his heart is to get saved, to get born again. But that's the day and age in which we're living in, the Laodicean church age. Revelation chapter 3, those last few verses there. And then we get to Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, the rapture of the church. Now, Jesus told the church at Laodicea, he said, because you ain't hot and because you're not cold, because you're lukewarm, he said, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, what exactly does that mean? And we're going to deal with that a little bit more. But it is a lukewarm faith. We've got people today that believe Jesus. They believe Jesus died on Calvary. They believe he died for the sins of the world. But at the same time, they believe that Islam, as long as they follow their Quran and they do what the Quran says do, them folk are saved. That's lukewarm. If you believe that, if you believe in Jesus and you believe in Buddha and you believe in Islam and all of this, we've got this crazy mixture, interfaith churches that are coming up today. If you believe that way, you ain't going. Just plain and simple. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, you ain't going. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Buddha's not going to do it. All these others, I'll have no other God before me. That's what he said. So, but we've got a buku of them today that have embraced it all. And we've got some in our own denomination that believe that as well. But... It's the day and age in which we're living in. Now, y'all probably didn't get all of this of which I've talked about tonight. Don't worry. When we get to the churches and we start dealing with these things, this of which I've just touched on briefly tonight, we'll go into a little more detail. And we'll show you how this lines up with church history, what was going on in that church. And uh, we're going to learn a lot of stuff. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.